Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org lost. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Oh, my fucking pink tents are so full of goblins. <laughs> They're full of goblins. Huh? Oh, look at them trying to get out. Hey, wait, ow, ow. Oh, wait a second. Let me feel. Oh, this is just cancer. Oh my goodness, <laughs> oh, that's the worst kind of goblin. Fuck, I thought my breasts were just turking, turning into M&M chocolate chip cookies, but it's riddled with tumors. Oh my goodness, well, that's oh, a horrible fuck. way for the doctor to tell you that devastating information. Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben, hanging out with Marcus and hanging out with the... Uh, Newly riddled with breast cancer, Henry Zabrowski. <laughs> I don't know. And that's how we're going to begin breast cancer awareness <laughs> here on last podcast on the left. For, remember, for you big titty boys out there, check your tits for marbles. Truly. Yeah. That yeah. is true. Because if you have even, unfortunately, even one marble in there, you got to go to a doctor. Absolutely. And don't have any shame in it either. Look, I'm Men doing get it right cancer. Now. Look at me grab mm-hmm. whole handfuls of this. You should have a little bit more shame in it. I talked about it on side stories this week how my father looked at my new, my half nude body in the pool and he looked at himself and he's just like, oh my God, Henry Thomas, you got tits just like me. <laughs> yes. It was and a- I was like, this took this long? <laughs> it's also like kind of an insult, but it's not because he said just like me. But you're 75 years old who's essentially dying of emphysema. So you see that we got the same body while you're no you're you have a wasting disease. And technically I do yoga three times a week. All right. Well the yoga is definitely helping. Look at me! You look great. Why goblins? Why <laughs> goblins? Why goblins? Kissing well, t- goblins? Ingratiating oh. goblins? In bed with a goblin. That's where we are today. Oh, that's that right. Classic <laughs> Alex Jones uh, mixtape. All right, everyone. Today we're covering the Goblin Universe. It is a universe of goblins. Indeed. And we are just pink monkeys at the bottom of it. <laughs> no kidding. Now, the Goblin Universe is a theoretical dimension conceptualized by a writer named Ted Holliday, who wrote equally about the Loch Ness Monster and about angling, boasting both a book called The Great Orm of Loch Ness, published in 1968, and a book called Sea Trout, How to Catch Them, in 1956. Isn't angling when you stand up in class in eighth grade with a boner and try to make sure no one sees it? You've talked about this before, (laughs) and I've still never experienced it. I've kept my boners at home with my computer where they belong. (laughs) 
but uh, this book, we're going to talk about, you know, this is one of these, I mean, honestly, you, you better be half in the bag for this episode because it's going to require you to, you have to be. Most people listen driving. Mentally <laughs> limber for this episode. This is, there, there's a lot of weird concepts. We're basically going to talk about how one pan paranormal theory comes to light. Okay. Yeah. So essentially, the Goblin universe was outlined in a book of the same name that was never intended to be published. But a cult superstar writer, Colin Wilson, took it upon himself to publish the book after Ted Holliday died against Holliday's wishes. He specifically <laughs> didn't want people to read this book because, number one, Ted Holliday, who I can only imagine is similar to Ted Pillman, like I imagine Ted Pillman in my mind. YouTube Ted Pillman. There's a carload of goblins. I'm saving them for you. Um, Some deep cuts today. But he viewed his experiences with the paranormal uh, as a... Uh, tantamount to his life they yeah. changed his entire life he had many experiences with the paranormal and they haunted him and what he was trying to understand towards the end of his life was what the hell does it all mean why does all of this shit happen why is it so difficult to get proof of the occult mm -hmm. why is it so difficult to come up with which essentially a ground level full theory that encapsulates the encapsulates the entire occult world which sure. is ghosts aliens cryptids which is what we also tried to do here on last podcast on the left absolutely what you find and what ted holiday specifically found is that it's impossible to do it makes you that's number one number two when you talk about it out loud you sound like what a moron. I sound like someone you can't hire. Number no, I wouldn't three. say a moron. You don't sound like a moron. I'd say you sound special. Creative. Creative. I'm a creative. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you for the second word there. And number three, he uh, didn't come to a conclusion. No. And so well. that's the reason, the true reason why he didn't want the book to be published was because, again, in his pursuit of figuring out what are the limits of this goblin universe he found that the boundaries were not only uh, the boundaries were not only blurry but so were his tools so were the examples so was his whole life because i think well, he also drank a lot i think that's the sign <laughs> that that proves he's using the scientific method sometimes you don't get the results you want yeah now because the book the goblin universe was never meant to be published it's a bit of a mess, hmm. and the ideas are all over the place. So on this one, we're going to go through the book chapter by chapter and discuss some of the ideas contained therein, especially considering how we're getting ready for a doozy of a series starting next week. So again, this is kind of like an appetizer. And again, that is, I don't want to blow this again. I saw that, I said this on the stream yesterday. We're covering COVID. We're going to do a 10 <laughs> oh, series on COVID. Oh, it's about time we remember what happened just a couple of days ago. Technically, yesterday. <laughs> yes, and now. It's not too far off. Oh. In the introduction to the book, Colin Wilson gives a bit of a summary of the life of Ted Holliday, starting with Ted's fascination with the Loch Ness Monster. I hate lakes and I hate what's in them, except if it's fish and then, you know, at the same time, fish are fucking boring as well. <laughs> Apparently, Ted Holliday first saw the Loch Ness Monster in 1962 after becoming fascinated with it as a child in 1933. And this sighting in 1962 came after Ted has spent hundreds of hours searching for it. But after seeing it once, Ted Holliday knew what to look for, and he saw it again several times throughout the 60s. You notice it by its lovely Loch Ness lady lumps. 
Oh, and that's the truth. It's the very, it's the classic try hump, whatever the fuck the Loch Ness monster you think it is. That thing that comes out of the waves. We covered it a little bit in our Lake Monsters episode, and mm-hmm. even a little bit more in our USOs episode that we did last week, where we talk about how mysterious the ocean can be. How many beer cans? So he's in the middle of the lake. He's on a boat. How many beer cans surround that boat as he slams them? One more for the water. That's bait. One more for me. How many do you think he drank there in the middle of the water? He wasn't a drunk. Henry was just slandering a man. (laughs) That's my job. Never mind. Never mind. (laughs) Besides the Loch Ness Monster, Ted Holliday was also fascinated with Carl Jung's idea of synchronicity, which is something that we ourselves here at Last Podcast have experienced time and again over the years. Especially when we are doing episodes. Uh, Men in Black. Yeah. We talked about how often the the just the visage of Tommy Lee Jones and how it haunted me throughout that entire series. And also <laughs> when we did the JFK series, episode n- number 400, when we dropped it, the day we dropped it, also Bob Dylan put out his first That's single right. to ever hit number one on the Billboard charts that day as well. His weird mumble rap about JFK. <laughs> it all happened the same day. Absolutely. And yeah. hopefully this episode we can start giving a little bit of respect to the Goblin because the only made- the only movie made about Goblin is called Trolls. It is sad. <laughs> so it's time it's we show bog. some love to the Goblin. But also a big Goblin show we want to reach out to because this episode really is in the spirit of people that have been chasing ultra-terrestrials for forever. Number one, this is this book is a sister book, as, as far as I'm concerned, to The Eighth Tower by John Keel, and is also a sister book to Passage to Magonia that was written by Jacques Vallée. But more than often than not, we, we, when we talked about our friends, uh, the Newkirks, and their uh, web series that they did, Hellier, that is mm-hmm. describing the goblin universe on its own, and what they went for looking for literal goblins, and it was really about the friends that they made along the way. This story... <laughs> It's a great little doc, though. It it really is. It's wonderful. But this story is about this concept of when you go searching for through mysteries, go through through when you go searching for mysteries, and as Ted Holliday describes it himself, is that you find that the mysterious part of the universe is like an actor that wears all masks at once for all of his performances. But that sometimes when you find that when the actor removes each one of those masks, he's on trial for something horrible. No, what you start to see, (laughs) what you begin to see is yourself. Mm. Okay, okay. Well, furthermore, Holiday was also interested in Young's ideas about UFOs, namely that they weren't real, but were actually projections of the human mind, yeah. a portent of long-lasting transformations of the collective human psyche. They're there to teach us about ourselves because, I mean, why else would they be there? Because <laughs> it's just, you know, because it's all about us, Kissel. Everyone yeah. did agree with my assessment of time and light as well, by the way. 75 million, that's what... So when it gets back to the alien planet, there's they don't even... There's footage that they're collecting right now, they're not going to see it for 750 million years. You were right one time, like Greta Thornburg was right one time to be scared of the ocean. <laughs> Extrapolating from Young and other sources, Holiday began to believe that there were connections between UFOs, mythical beasts, paranormal entities, and ley lines. And of course, ley lines are straight paths of quote-unquote energies that connect various historical structures and landmarks around the globe. He did good work on that, though. That's this is cool, it. Yeah. The ley line stuff is I actually I thought was more interesting in this book than I've read in other books. Is true yeah. question with the ley line stuff? You know the um, if you look at Washington D.C., there's like a pentagram thing that yeah, forms. Bro. Is that that's not a ley line, is it? No, no. it's Masonic influence, bro. All right, yeah. dude. 
No, a ley line is like how you can trace a straight line from like the nat, like from the Nazca lines in Peru over to Stonehenge. Okay. Yeah, I mean that, some that of it. Sort of some of it's bullshit. Yeah. But when he the one he he loops in the idea of the uh, the idea of feng shui and the idea of natural energy sources and when yeah. he talks about the idea that it's not straight lines that it's kind of geological formations can maybe call towards specific phenomena. Okay. It's the idea that places like Stonehenge uh, are built on areas of energy. You know, like that they are attract that people are attracted to certain areas of the earth to build these you know ancient landmarks uh, for whatever reason. The Magnetized nickel. <laughs> yeah, magnetized nickel. Uh-huh. And do you talk about it? It's magnet. It's magnets, sure. bro. Okay. How do they work? Uh, you just brought those two words out of nowhere, and you're yelling at me. Natural aquifers. Okay, come closer, ma'am. Natural aquifers. Okay. I will show you the natural aquifer I have in my shorts. Next time, uh-huh. let's just go through the drive-through. Okay. <laughs> well, extrapolating from Leyline research, and there's going to be a lot of extrapolating here with oh. no real conclusion. Oh. Ted, Hol- <laughs> Ted Holiday went further into the past and saw that old carvings in Christian churches and certain dragons of mythology held certain similarities with modern Western concepts of flying saucers. Hmm. But... Ted was not necessarily approaching all this from an ancient alien's perspective, which is, of course, you know, the Chariot of the Gods model that says that nuts and bolts aliens have been visiting Earth for millennia to fuck around with humanity's development. Mm -hmm. I think that it was kind of refreshing that he debunked Eric Von Daniken in these books because it's important to remember, because now we know truly that the ancient alien idea is completely wrong like the yeah. idea the idea that they well, it's had condescending come in, it's condescending because yeah. what we now know is that the pyramids all of these things were built by were they still just people slathered with blood on the side of the pyramids who got whipped to death absolutely but they were artists and they weren't necessarily <laughs> just slaves they just were out there building all of these things after generation of ge- generation after generation of people that were sort of descended into building these things and it's just amazing what fucking a hundred generations of people can create I don't yep. want to blow your mind, but I just saw some cave paintings from multiple hundreds of years ago that showed semen going into an egg. You did, that's porn. That's no, it's just said they were smarter than we think. Everyone thinks that we're the smartest, and I don't know if that's true. No, we ain't we that much the, smarter. No, we have the exact same brains that we had 6,000 years ago. We have not evolved at all. Okay. We're taller, but that's about it. Great. Some of us. Well, instead of the ancient aliens theory, Ted began to believe that dragons, lake monsters, flying saucers, mythological creatures, fairies, magic, ghosts, and cryptids couldn't all be figments of people's imaginations, which led him to believe that reality is altogether stranger and more complex than we think. So, to explain all of the strange phenomena that he'd himself witnessed and read about, as well as all the strange phenomena that everyone else had seen, he came up with a unifying theory to try and explain where all of it came from. And therefore, the Goblin Universe was born. I'm going to read the quote that got him to call his concept the Goblin Universe, because I think it's really interesting. Because it does come from an actual... uh, a, an actual famous biologist, Professor John Napier, who was the director of the primate biology program in the Smithsonian. Uh, he had this statement that I think is really, really interesting. Well, the way I see it at the moment is this. <laughs> Reason tells us these things do not exist. Yet the only apparent alternative is that the whole affair is a great conspiracy. I am not prepared 
to entirely ignore eyewitnesses, nor accuse them of being part of the great conspiracy. In fact, I'm sure they are truthful and that there is no such thing as a great conspiracy. There must be a third explanation, which is neither A, a matter of reason, nor B, fakery. This must be unreasonable in our terms, but probably makes sense in the Goblin universe. Wow. Essentially, the third explanation must concern the minds of men. I love that. He it's said like, it. That is really cool. That's the that's the titular line. You sound like Wyatt Lump. I love it. It's a nice southern sound. This Chewing whole, tobacco. This whole book is about the frustration of how many people come forward and they say that they see an alien. How many people come forward and say that they, they know that they've seen a ghost, that a ghost has physically touched them, that they have sm- like, you know, and it's not just their visual. father. Their, their father was a professional wrestler. <laughs> that's only if they're a really good wrestler. Oh, that's true. That's when they get the real first class approach from a coach. That's true. Um, but then, uh, but it's also all of these shit, right? The people say they see like monsters they see all the shit and you have all these people come forward they, they ruin their lives to say i yeah. was there i was abducted i've seen these things but there's no proof and so, yeah. so forever all of the people on the more conservative side of the internet all of you out there that i know are listening were like uh, yeah that's the reason why because there is no proof and that's how you know it's thick which is how you sound to me, but I also know that you 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 have your belief system, which is your own belief system. This idea that you need this sort of like empirical pictures. You need like a, you need a sample of Bigfoot dung, which I do get sure. that you want this. But this is all about how how do we how do we thread the needle here between the the constant, never ending experience of the witnesser and the eyewitness and the people that have experienced these things, and then the fact that we can't prove it? I don't know if yeah. you should criticize people um, so much. They're that, that are they're just looking for evidence. Yeah, yeah, like a bunch of amateurs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I understand. I understand yeah, that you want evidence. It. I totally get it. But I guess I'm. I love to sit in the gray, like oh. Ah, but Henry, are we gunk. not men? Are we not men of the mind? I am. Are man. we not men of concepts? <laughs> Look at my of... shirts. Look at my shorts. <laughs> yes, they're very short. Well, Ted Holliday believed that one day all paranormal phenomena would be as readily explained as math and science, oh. and by applying a scientific view of the paranormal universe, one would cease to be an occultist. And they would become a scientist. Hell yeah, that's what I'm going for, bro. Yeah. To quote Ted Holliday, We inhabit a strange cosmos where nothing is absolute, final, or conclusive. Truth is an actor who dons <sighs> one mask after another and then vanishes through a oh. secret door in the stage scenery when we reach out to grab him. Oh. All he leaves behind is a sardonic chuckle which we <laughs> record, take away, analyze, and debate. But we never see his face. Uh, you know what, man? I'm just happy this community theater presentation was free. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel when you do hear him describe it like that. I do feel like we're going to see the landlord show, like in the of big Lebowski. Lebowski. <laughs> Which I need to see something like that ASAP. I can't wait. If you have a theatrical performance coming up, shoot it, shoot it my way. You never know when a stoned Ben Kissel will just be in the back, being like, "That was incredible." <laughs> See, according to Ted, the Goblin universe is the place in the play where the actor, the so-called Goblin, switches one mask for another. Am I correct in saying that the actor is the Goblin? Mm. I just <laughs> say yes and move on, please. It's about, yes, I'd say the Goblin 
is the phenomena, right? Yeah. The idea of whatever yes. it is you're seeing and the fact that it can go from one form to another very easily. Yeah. Well, Bigfoot switches masks to become Nessie, who switches masks to become an alien, who switches masks to become a poltergeist. But Ted Holliday also con- contradicts himself later in the preface, saying that the actor, or goblin, does not wear different masks successively, but rather wears all the masks at the same time, which means that it is the person seeing the goblin that gives the goblin form. But, or the way I would interpret that is that the it's the actor wears all masks of all time because it's not that he's changing. It's that it's always been all of it. And that whatever you're seeing is that literally a Bigfoot sighting is exactly the same as seeing as a ghost, which well, is exactly the same as seeing aliens. Well, that's I mean, from what I can understand, if people are going to Loch Ness expecting to see the Loch Ness monster when they peek into the goblin universe. They, Nessie is what they see. Likewise, a person visiting a Civil War battleground goes expecting to see a ghost soldier. So when they peek through the Goblin universe, they see a bloody Confederate soldier. It's all the same thing, I but it's all about perceptions. I completely sure. understand now that we have totally monetization of fast food chains. You notice all of the food is the exact same at Taco Bell or <laughs> or whatever is also owned by Taco Bell, the, the parent company. It's all the same meat. It's all the same cheese. He's breaking mm-hmm. through. I understand you just what got you're talking about. on fast food. I did, but I get it now. So it's all goblins all the time. It's whatever you see, but it's the same creator. I yeah. just think, again, all of this is about the human mind. And yeah. that I think that w- what we're going to find out next week when this UFO report comes out, they are now saying you it again. You have been talking about this. I don't think it's coming out, bro. They, they are saying it's coming out. And now the Pentagon is saying, they're coming out and saying, it's an interdimensional thing you wouldn't understand, <laughs> which is I, which is them just saying oh, it's like, they oh, don't so understand. It's, it's, it's like the party hole. I get it. It is like the party <laughs> hole. Exactly. You're watching Pretty Face. But it's that. <laughs> shit where it's it really comes down to why are we seeing this why are we seeing these things what does it mean because to me it's there's a story here that has been that is as old as humankind and it's not just about people being full of shit because i do believe yes i'll give you 65 percent. wow that's what i'm gonna say that's the henry zabrowski ap poll of people who are full of shit about these things, I'm going to say 65%. But that leaves, even again, even if 1% is real, then that means that there is something that has been shadowing the human experience since we've had consciousness. Mm -hmm. Which again, maybe, again, it's not about maybe seeing other things. We were talking to an astrophysicist this morning for the LPN show, and I was asking her about exoplanets and why we haven't found nuts and bolts UFOs yet, and like why we haven't found these other biological things that exist. First of all, her her main answer was that the, the universe is just too big. And we'll yeah. never see them unless they specifically show themselves. Mm-hmm. And number two, she straight up said, we're in this quote unquote simulation, right? Like this idea, whatever that means, because technically if it doesn't change what you eat for lunch every day, it doesn't matter if whether you're in your civilization, whether you're in a simulation or not, right? Come mm-hmm. closer. Come closer. <laughs> oh, okay. So we keep seeing this shit though. So if it's yeah. not a ship or whatever from some other place, it has something to do with us. And what we've talked about in the live show the last week too, the calls coming from inside the house then. Well, I mean, Ted wrote that reason tells us that these things don't exist. Like, reason, no reasonable person could say that the Loch Ness Monster exists or the Bigfoot exists or anything like that. But since people have seen these things, then it leaves no alternative but to conclude that there's some sort of great goblin conspiracy Whoa. with unknown motivation. Man, I want to be the Dick Cheney of that. <laughs> You're becoming that. 
So after explaining the concept of the Goblin universe in the preface, Ted Holliday then begins laying out his case chapter by chapter, starting with personal paranormal experiences in chapter one. He has to give his pedigree. Okay. In this chapter, he speaks of a family by the surname of Dennis who experienced invisible strangers moving about their house accompanied by the sounds of boots and wheezing. Apparently, the former residents, the Johnsons, had died in the house, and the Dennis children would regularly draw pictures of the apparitions they saw, including, quote, A fat little man with a red face, with a walking stick who keeps waking me up. And standing by my bed. Oh my god, that's horrifying. <laughs> hey, okay, you want to be on a podcast? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, we're trying to pitch podcasts to Nickelodeon. Oh my god, please. <laughs> well, interestingly, the Dennis family nicknamed the ghost Alfred, and not even an exorcism was able to dislodge the ghost from the home, nor was Ted Holliday able to do anything for the, this family beyond observation. So it's an experience with no conclusion. True question. How does a ghost go on a diet? How? You I don't know. Like, this is again. Oh, I thought, we're just, we're I thought just you were like in, setting it up for a fucking like, like horrible a joke. Yeah, no, I thought you were going to do a No, how does a ghost? If it's a fat ghost, if you die fat, do you always? You have to be a fat ghost too. Yes. Yeah. You, yeah, you so you have fat. to lose weight before you die. Yes. Yeah. It's like getting. It's like you have to work. OT you can't get your to dream build up your pension before you retire. You can't get your dream body after you even die. You no, can't man. carve your ghost fat? No, no, no. You get to choose nothing. Absolutely okay. nothing, you sweet, innocent young boy. No. You're gonna have to get, you're gonna have to lose weight before you die if you want to fucking heaven. But you still people wanna people wanna fuck you. They wanna fuck you all the time, Kissel. They wanna see you wanna ride you. You know what I mean? So you don't gotta change a single thing about yourself. Yeah, yeah man. I'm, a, I'm a real carnival cruise. <laughs> A few years before his experience with the Dennis family, Ted Holliday investigated paranormal activity in a mansion in Pembrokeshire, where an Irishman with heavy boots haunted the grounds. I loved his description of the steps that the ghost would take, and that he said that this is one of those things, again, which I think is interesting, that comes up time and time again with the examples that he set forth, is sounds and soundscapes, smells, stuff like that. The things that set an atmosphere for these experiences are very similar. And one is this concept idea of people have said the term hollow steps. Mm. And he said, the he's like, you can really hear it because this was a house that was retrofitted and redone. So it used to have stone steps back in the day, right? Like whenever like the house was first built. But now it has carpeted steps. But he said the steps he heard, the only way he could describe it was big, heavy boots on a stone staircase that was very echoey. He said it sounded like someone had recorded it with a microphone and then had played the sounds to him. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, when Ted Holliday stayed the night, he said that a blow hit the headboard of his bed. And at the same time, a man with a Belfast accent asked, And who the hell are you? No, oh, no, no. With that blood, remember the and fall. Who the hell are you? And who <laughs> no, the hell are you? <laughs> no, it's like the fall. It's like, and who the hell are you? That's good. Thank that you. Is very good. Yeah. <laughs> sounds kind of kind of sounded a little bit like Ren. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from your grave. Last podcast on the left is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Thanks, Squarespace. With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. 
Don't let anybody tell you what to do. This ain't your mama's website platform. It is, actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine. It's a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I thought it was just the name of what my blood pressure medication turned me into. And I'm peeing. Now, my goals for the year are I have two warehouses filled with horse picks. Now, I know a lot of people, uh, obviously this bit has been done, but the Zendaya centaur picks are not going anywhere. And I've been trying to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale line out. Uh, I need these moved, okay, because I have to move into the storage unit. Let's just say there are problems at home. So I need Squarespace to shoot this through the roof for me this year. And that's why I'm going to go full tilt. And not only are you going to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale entire series, clothes and non-clothes, what we also are going to offer, and I mean this, we're trying to get into giraffe rides. I brought this up the other day. We got to start riding other animals but horses. Take pictures of the horses. Photoshop the horses into other celebrities, but stop riding them. Save a horse. Ride a giraffe with Squarespace. Go head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com. Hey, did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. The experts at Fast Growing Trees curate thousands of plants for all climates, locations, and needs. Available 24-7, you can talk to a plant expert about your soil type, landscape design, and how best to take care of your plants. I love fast growing trees because I just moved here to Los Angeles. I got a yard now and I'm doing all the landscaping myself. I love working in my garden. I love planting stuff. I love growing stuff. And the cool thing about fast growing trees that I really like is that they tell you exactly what type of growing zone you're in. I'm in growing zone 10 and they can tell you exactly what type of trees or plants, or whatever you can put out in front of your house. Uh, I'm looking at the Norfolk Island pine tree. I'm looking at putting a little bit of red sister cordyline up in front of my fence. I think that the red will really pop nice. And maybe for the backyard, I got an extra planter that I might put a Satsuma plum tree in. And these prices are reasonable. They're reasonable if you've ever been to a nursery. But right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Dun, 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 dun. It's sports. Prize picks. Football season may be over, but the action on the floor, oh, it's eaten up. Whether it's tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments 
this time of year. Yeah. Toss that rock. Come on, guys. Yeah, pass it around. Get on the excitement with Price Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app where you can turn your hoops knowledge into serious caps. Whether it's hula hoops or earring hoops, you're going to know everything you need to know about sports. You can now win up to 100 times your money on Price Picks with little as four correct picks. Conference tournaments are here, which means the biggest moments in college basketball are getting closer. Skip ball. Price books even offers injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. I sure wish that Bobby Bonilla was still in the game because I would pick him to go all the way. Can you imagine if Bobby Bonilla played basketball? Woo-wee, dog. Then it would be more like baseball, but Bobby Bonilla would still be crushing it in the contract game. Woo! The deadliest game of all. Download the app today and use code LEFT for a first deposit match up to $100. That's code LEFT for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. So after establishing a bit of a paranormal pedigree, Ted Holliday moves on to the subject of reincarnation for Chapter 2 and how reincarnation might fit into the Goblin universe, specifically the subject of the reincarnation of evil. This is a chapter that I felt didn't really need to be in there but it did <laughs> it's interesting though it's very it's in it's interesting it stuff. is very interesting i do love that i love this story though yeah well for a particularly grisly example holiday chose to compare alleged 15th century serial killer gilles de Ray Ooh, with yeah. a 20th century child rapist from the uk named edward paisnell aka the jersey monster the jersey Impl- monster implying that these two men were one and the same. Hmm. Now, we're going to do a full episode on Gilles de Ray, possibly this year as a part of our summer series. It's a fantastic story. It would fit in quite wonderfully with all that. But to give a quick overview, Gilles de Ray was said to be a former knight who got a taste for blood as a leader of the French army and as a companion of Joan of Arc. But once military action ceased, de Ray's bloodlust only increased. It's actually one of the original stories kind of talking about post-trauma PTSD and what it means like throughout all time and mm-hmm. how like according to certain interpretations of Gilles de Ray's life, he spent so long killing and being a killing machine that you can't just turn it off yeah. when you come back. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now admittedly, I don't know the full truth of the Gilles de Ray story just yet, but Ted Holliday claimed that DeRay was a black magician who brought sorcerers to his castle in hopes of raising demons and eventually the devil himself. The devil himself! Don't do that! (laughs) And it's so hard to get the devil. Do you have any idea how busy the devil is? He is booked up! From what reports claimed, a magician named La Riviere summoned a demon in the form of a leopard and will certainly be getting into the big cat connection with the goblin universe later on. You think cats were a part of this? Then you were were actually reasonable. Wow. (laughs) But as the story goes, children from the surrounding villages around DeRay's castle began disappearing and the bodies of 80 children were eventually discovered in and around DeRay's lands. From reports, 
They were boys and girls, but mostly boys, between 9 and 17 years old. And the order of the day was sodomy, beheading, neck-breaking, and strangulation, while the remains were burned in huge fireplaces in the castle and the bones were flung into the moat. By estimates, up to 200 children may have died in this manner. See, this is back in the day, if you're a serial killer, you also have, like, servants and shit. Yeah. So Gilles de Ray was extremely rich, and he was a well-connected aristocrat. So he had, like, employees that yeah. would help him kill people. So that's how you get those numbers up. Of course, I'm sure Dahmer had, like, some mice he talked to in his, bar- in his Milwaukee apartment. I mean, honestly, I feel like that Dahmer could have probably found one willing accomplice if he really wanted to. Because when it comes down to it, who's not looking for a little summer vacation from their job? You know what I mean? Yeah, just- Dean Carl had a couple of interns. That's oh, yeah. true. John Wayne Gacy probably also had one or two himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But even though DeRay was a confessed monster, he was also extraordinarily powerful and spent years bribing noblemen to cover up his crimes, all while launching a play about his heroic deeds with Joan of Arc, which cost over a million pounds in 15th century money. Wow. Dude, he threw. This is honestly, that's an incredible story. He yeah. choreographed, directed, and wrote. I, what they said was nowadays would be close to like $20 million, like some like crazy sum for a play that had 500 people in it, soldiers, all <laughs> wow. kind of shit. I was like, that sounds fucking sweet. Who would Did have you thought, see Spider-Man After Dark? Who would have thought a, a wealthy producer that committed mass crimes trying to do it all publicly <laughs> as well as an ultimate fuck oh my you? Oh God, I didn't even think about it. It's disgusting. Oh wow. my God, holy shit. <laughs> Well, eventually, DeRay was caught out when he fucked with the church, which is not something you did back then. The ensuing investigation supposedly uncovered his crimes, and DeRay confessed and was quickly hanged and burned for everything that he did, supposedly. Hmm. Now, there are doubts as to whether this entire affair was merely a smear campaign by the church. And it might have been that the church was working in conjunction with the local government because the prosecutor in this case was giving all of DeRay's land after the conviction. Interesting. That might be a motivation to prosecute. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> but even so, Ted Holliday still... And really, we're going to be going, getting into the full uh, Gilles de Ray story later on because it is a fascinating... Like, I just gave you the fucking... The little skim, snippets. The, a tiny little skim of that entire story. It's a fascinating because story. Also, I love the idea of doing the view from the side of Joan of, Joan of Arc. Yeah, because that story is also very interesting. But I think it's mostly it's mostly going to be another like story that's been blown out of proportion. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to really see what the center of the Joan of Arc tale is, because, oh, yeah. you know, do we believe that she was talking directly to God or was she just a precocious like we need to go to France and kill everyone? Yeah, it's probably that. <laughs> it's probably the latter. Like, I like the little girl. <laughs> she was French. Oh, whatever, man. I mean, she's dead now. Is, oh, yeah, yeah, she's dead. Who gives yeah, a shit? I don't know. Hell yeah, man. Do you have accents as a ghost? Nailed it. But even so, Ted Holliday still made the connection between the accused Gilles de Ray and a very real sadistic pedophile named Edward Paisnell who terrorized the Isle of Jersey in the late 70s, all because the two shared some interesting synchronicities. I also don't want to bust this story because this is another episode that we should do. Let's just give it a skim here. I I think this one's just, I think we're fine with the skim on this one. This is fucking awful. Okay. 
<laughs> First of all, Edward Paisnell was married to a woman named Joan, which echoes, the, <laughs> which echoes the connection between DeRay and Joan of Arc. And apparently, Edward's Joan was quite puritanical, which, you know, echoes Joan's devotion to God. And she grew the same mandrakes in her garden that magicians used in medieval times. Perhaps the same mandrakes that magicians in Gilles DeRay's castle may have used. Coincidence. <laughs> also, his first wife was named Joan as well. He's, he was married to two Jones. Two Jones. Wow. wow. Reportedly, he kidnapped and tied up 21 children by their necks and sodomized them. Uh, didn't kill any of them. Just fucking sodomized them and let them go. Yeah. And at least one of the attacks took place on Rue de Ray, which was once owned by who else but the DeRay family. This is the part. This next part is the part. I mean, obviously, um, it's supposed to be disturbing. It's but supposed it to be disturbing. It, it definitely is, yeah. Paisnell used to wear a costume during his attacks, what he called his beast costume. It was made up of a woman's black wig, a wristband studded with nails, a jacket studded with more nails so his victims couldn't grab a hold of him without oh. grabbing nails, and he wore a homemade rubber mask, which is somewhat similar to Leatherface's mask, but scarier. Jesus Christ, this have guy was seen, a real-life monster. Have you seen pictures of him? No, I have not seen pictures of him, although you watch, you wait in, uh, until next year's Fashion Week when nails <laughs> are in and everyone is just wearing nothing but nail jackets. It's the unapproachable look. Yes, indeed. <laughs> look at this shit. You can all show you this right now. Look at this fucking and we'll post, costume. We'll post, a picture, we'll post a picture on our Instagram page as well. Honestly, he kind of looks like Johnny Depp. He's got a little bit of an Edward Scissorhands vibe. Uh, when we're in a mask. Holy shit. Oh my, my, God. Look, my God, that dude is truly horrifying. It's, it's truly horrifying. Rapist scissor vest. Yeah, that's honestly, that's what it looks like a more perverted Edward Scissorhands. I guess he wasn't perverted, though, Edward. He just wanted to help no, out the community. He was just a machine. He didn't ask to be made. I'm with you. <laughs> I took it back immediately. But according to Ted Holliday, this flair for the theatrical also echoed Gilles de Ray's own penchant for staging elaborate plays about his own heroic deeds. Furthermore, both men were vegetarians. A book on witchcraft and a ritual dagger was found at Paisnell's home. And when Paisnell was caught by police, he said that a couple of hundred years ago, he would have been burned alive for what he'd done. Possibly some sort of memory. Yeah, I feel like even oh. now he'd also be burned alive for what he's done because, I mean, it wasn't nice, but he only got 30 years. Well, I think that you could oh, take him God. for his word and just burn him alive there. I would say dealer's <laughs> choice. Yeah. Dealer's <laughs> choice. He left. He got out of jail and he died outside The man that I just jail. saw a picture of? Yeah, he died. Uh, he died. He said apparently he couldn't get along in his neighborhood. Oh, I don't know why. What? And then he died. In his own house in 1994. Did he go on to produce Shakespeare in Love as well? <laughs> <laughs> well, going off of this supposed reincarnation, Ted Holliday told another story from 1972 in which five schoolboys experimented with magic and one boy became possessed by his dead grandfather and attacked his friends with a knife before trying to strangle them. This is one of those stories that they used to tell on the news to get you afraid to do D&D. &D. Like, yeah. I don't yes. believe in this no, one. No, of course I, not. No, no, no. Yeah. No, this is like the, the vision that uh, Ted Holliday port paints of the 70s makes it a truly fucking horrifying place. Like, he paints a vision of, like, where witchcraft is real and everywhere at all times. I'll tell you one thing. You can't go one block without seeing a fucking witch. And I'll tell you what 
I can't go five blocks without seeing my fucking ex-wife. Whoa, is that name, <laughs> is her name Joan as well? Yeah, she fucking more like Moan. Wow. to me, I'll fucking, I'll, I wish I could, I wish I could kill, they keep coming back. You're a classy guy. <laughs> Two years later, a mother reported that her child was slashing herself with a fork and attacked a baby, seemingly without provocation or motivation. And all these events, Holiday said, pointed towards a kind of evil reincarnation emanating from the goblin universe. Oh, that was a, a stretch. It's it, a stretch. That's the chapter that needed the most work because yeah. <laughs> it didn't because I didn't know what it was looping all the way. I don't know how it looped back, but it yeah. was basically him trying to say more like, what do you think it is? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, it sounds fascinating. Yeah. So after making that loose point, Holiday moved on to chapter three, which is mostly about time. And really, it's about prognostication and how people who can see just a bit into the future and people who can see centuries ahead like Nostradamus are simply getting views of differing sizes into the goblin universe. A pinhole versus a manhole. Okay. But Nostradamus is full of shit. Was the Hister stuff was like, that's the one thing that he was sort of on to. The, the, the Nostradamus stuff that he talks about is like the most dated stuff in this book, I think. Yeah. And then, but the one thing that I thought was interesting is that it does speak to PKD's experience with Val. Philip K. PKD Dick. is Philip K. Dick. Not everyone Nobody knows the PKD. Because the P is silent. <laughs> the only reason why what? I know it's PKD is because I'm your friend. Otherwise, I would not know. The audience is my friend. <laughs> they, they, if they've gotten this far, they know who PKD is. I, they actually, do I don't think podcast. you've ever saw PKD before. <laughs> I say it every day. <laughs> to yourself. <laughs> to my family. Indeed. But uh, PKD, he had an experience with an intelligence that he said zapped information into his mind that made him realize that he was seeing visions when he wrote books that showed that he wasn't writing fiction. He was channeling alternative presence and that he said that he had an experience where he traveled back in time to the roman eras where he saw himself in that time period uh he wrote about himself in the he called himself horse lover fat uh in that time period because philip i believe philip means horse lover like a lover of horses in german (laughs) and dick means fat in german so he created this word for it right and that uh like mr hans he was a real horse lover yeah he was dead now fucked to death by a horse nicknamed big dick Uh, and then he but he this is what he's saying the exegesis I don't know if we'll get to it someday, but the exegesis is a his full on spiraling breakdown of this concept of there is no such thing as linear time. I mean, it is also the plot of Army of Darkness. (laughs) Yeah, man. I mean, technically, that's the coolest version of that story. I love love that. that. I love that movie. No, it's where Man in the High Castle comes from. He he looked into an alternate universe where the Nazis won, you know, and he was just able to go. Beep, 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 oh, beep, God, beep. don't even trigger me with that shit. Remember when the subways in New York were all covered in oh, Nazi? Yes. So <laughs> the the ad campaign yeah. for that fucking thing. The, they, they covered subways with just Nazi propaganda. It's a massive Jewish community. It's and just, then we have to take the trains. And it was just. It's just really traumatizing. You know, I know even, you. Man, when, even when I re- like read The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich on the train, like I ripped the cover off so I wouldn't be riding around reading a book with a gigantic fucking swastika on it. can it. just... <laughs> no, it's an old Buddhist symbol. I'm actually trying to take the symbol back. Rise from your grave. Oh, 
Boy, Texas Pete is a sauce that allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around, it's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor! By Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce and a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some cha Texas Pete sriracha sauce, and I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs and a whole bunch of cha and it started off my day correct. Texas Pete, sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story. It takes you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. You'll step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Use your observation skills to quickly uncover key pieces of information that lead to chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. You're going to get a kiss in there. That's mystery, danger, and romance as you search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris. Watch out for those sidewalks. They are covered in urine. And customize your very own luxurious estate island. Think expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. Collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. And you can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Oh, how I love the 1920s. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Shopping for humans is hard, but shopping for your dog is easy, thanks to Bark. It's because dog can't give you its opinion. But every month we deliver dogs and treats just for your pup because they deserve to be spoiled. And then the dog shows you what they like. It's incredible. Only I could teach Wendy to use an iPad. She's so resistant. She scratches it up. She barks at it, barks at me. But if she could use it, she'd order BarkBox for herself. At Bark, we send your dog a whole new collection of toys and treats made just for them every single month. And for a limited time, we'll double your first box for free. How about that? Wendy loves her little toys. Carmi has become quite a terrorist when it comes to her toys. And she's a murderer. She rips these things up. But, you know, we got some high-quality, tough toys from BarkBox, and she absolutely loves them. And our family could not be happier. <laughs> and if you just want a slice of this joy, you got to go to BarkBox. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash left. That's right. You can sign up now at BarkBox.com slash L-E-F-T for this exclusive offer. This ad is now over. Let's go back to petting our dogs. 
Well, after a brief discussion on time, Holiday moves on to the idea that UFOs and fairies are pretty much the same thing. But within that chapter are even more interesting ideas. Specifically, he says that maybe the universe isn't as random as we think it is. And sometimes the universe shows us its intentions. Every day. You put it out in the world. You write it on a bottle of water and you drink it. You get it inside of you. Absolutely. <laughs> For example... That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Yeah, it doesn't work. It. No, 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 Marcus. This is because you're being. You don't. You won't let it in. You won't white light it. You have to sit and think about it. If you want happiness, write it in a piece of paper. You put it on the water. The water thinks, and then you drink it. You get happiness from the water. What, what I if agree. I fucking wrote it on a hamburger wrapper and then ate the hamburger? Would that work? You're being sarcastic. That would also work, though. Yeah. No, well, for example, Holiday wrote that in 1974, the Prime Minister of England posed for a picture with author John Dyson, who had just written a book called The Prime Minister's Boat is Missing. That's cute. And five <laughs> days after the photo, the Prime Minister's boat went missing. Can okay, you hold on a second. It? So it wasn't an allegory. This was literally about the prime minister's boat going missing. This wasn't about poor leadership or anything like that. Like all the president's men. All it was just about his boat. I want to say it was like a crime novel that has like a funny title. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, really, the theory that UFOs are fairies did not originate with Ted Holliday. Instead, this is a theory first put forth by our man Jacques Vallée. And Henry will now take the lead on explaining this UFO fairy connection. I will All right, just, I'm starting the timer, by the way. I'm just going <laughs> to put it out there lightly. I just want to say, honestly, if you've been listening to this show for just this episode for this long, if we haven't lost you already, I want you to go and buy Passport to Magonia and read it. Because Passport to Magonia is Jacques Vallée's entire breakdown of what they call the trooping fairies, which is this idea that this phenomenon... <laughs> Sounds like a sex act. It is. <laughs> it's a lot of times because how many times these fairies used to take people up and rape them, steal their cum, and then make babies and drop them what? off called changelings. It's I the same the thing as the hybrid nice. fairies. No, all they did was suck dick against your will, bro. What? They used to, they used to talk <laughs> about... Oh, yeah, no, they would they would give you gifts that were supposedly gold and the gifts would turn to ash. ash. Some oh people when they came into contact with fairies, they would get what was called elf cake, which is What's a that? hardening of the skin. They also called it elf disease. It was a dermatological issue, which also happens in some UFO abductees, specifically Antonio Villas Boas. You remember Antonio Villas Boas that had the, the penis? Hair yeah. wrapped around so hard around his penis and it caused him discomfort. You know who also had penis problems? Barney Hill. He also had those penis lumps. John Keel, throughout the Eighth Tower, talks about how often aliens attack the penis. And how the penis is always either gorged so much with the priapism that the erection hurts. It mm, really, really hurts. Sure. And it can last for days after seeing an alien. Much like when I saw Jillian Anderson in person at the Webby's. Yeah. And I yes, had you. to go to the doctor. And I didn't want her curse. Well, she had to be escorted away from you by security. She acknowledged me. We've talked about this. <laughs> yeah. But it is this concept that this phenomenon has been following us a long time. And again, it's the trickster phenomenon, which mm -hmm. is this idea that you desperately want to prove to the world 
that you have seen what, you know, you know, in the 18th century, you will have seen something that looks like a fairy or a man dressed as a bard cut to the 19th century. The UFOs look like steam machines. They look like things that look appropriate to the time period. They all advance. You see people that look like they're more so like they're, they're using the top technology of your specific time period. And then now we see grays and we see reptilians and that his the main concept is that it's all exactly the same thing, mm. which is a phenomenon that seems to exist partly from our mind and it is about us it's about us learning how to essentially this is a phenomena that may or may not be outside of our own mind if it is an intellectual thing if it is something outside of us some form of intelligence what they're trying to do is bring us to them like some this idea that maybe we are supposed to evolve we're supposed to learn from them the idea that life is not so simple life what is are we not supposed to just, learn how to how to tie uh, hair around our dick and make it really tight. If, if you want to take that lesson, Kissel, then I think it's any <laughs> lesson that they can get in. I do picture the little fairies being like the birds in Cinderella tying the pubic hair around somebody's dick and like kind of singing and stuff. I mean, Aww. I think that I've seen that pornography film. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's the concept that, you know, fairies back then are the same as UFOs now, but they also, they share a lot of similarities. You know, it's things like way back when you would see fairy rings on the ground, which is the circle of burnt grass. And people back then said, hey, it's fairies hanging out. This is what uh. happens when fairies hang out. And now we say, oh, that's where a UFO lands. And likewise, you would also see dancing lights in the sky, uh, which people said, oh, that's fairies. And now when we see things like the the phoenix lights we say that's ufos but it's and the same thing it's just the mask is changing you meant you mentioned those dancing light in the sky but i think that's just them celebrating the reunion of friends well <laughs> thank god nice? they're all together and <laughs> they all have the same face i already said that on side stories <laughs> kind of kind of so after going through the UFO fairy connection, Ted Holliday moved on to the mystery of big cats. Yeah, they hate <laughs> Mondays. That's not a mystery. <laughs> big cats exist. Bigger than normal cats. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. Like, like uh, too big. Yeah. Oh my! Like the he, like the one He Man used to ride. Yeah, like that okay. big. That's a bigger cat. Yeah. But no, like too big. <laughs> what do you mean too big? <laughs> like a house cat looking thing that's your size. People see big cats. It's like people seeing giant birds, the Thunderbirds. Okay. People see mm -hmm. giant sloths, thunder sloths. People see <laughs> that's weird. They do call them that. <laughs> yeah, they people yeah. seeing giant worms. People seeing giant dogs. This is the thing that comes about. Maybe they're just really tiny. The people oh, that no. see them. No, Maybe it's when you see it's tiny. like you you see a cat and you go, that cat's too big. It's too and big. It weirds <laughs> <you> out. <laughs> okay, and it weirds you out. Okay, I got it. Well, Ted Holliday wrote. That in the Book of Kells, which is a 9th century manuscript containing the four Gospels of the New Testament, there is an interesting depiction of St. Patrick. In this manuscript, St. Patrick is seen with his feet planted on a great serpent and a large cat, which are both astral entities that, in Holiday's opinion, represent a higher function of the human psyche. As Holiday puts it, these representations helped people understand their place in the universe and helped them to understand that there are other planes of existence. Furthermore, he wrote that it is no coincidence that increasing reports of paranormal events are coinciding with decreasing devotions to organized religion. Well, quite often it sounds like it's in a is it is and that's where I, you know, I understand the criticism where it sounds like a replacement because yeah, in a yeah. way I think it is. It is a replacement. It's faith-based in its own way, that's for sure. 
Well, I think what he's trying to say is that, you know, people will see the Goblin universe no matter what. But as the mask changes from a Christianity lens to something closer to pop culture, we see less visions of angels and saints and mm. more visions of UFOs and ghosts. And Miley Cyrus on that wrecking ball. I love Miley. <laughs> That's six years old now. I know. Oh, wow. It's not I, even I like it, though. I like it. That's current. Miley is, is always current. Miley yeah, she's is a pop current. superstar. It's like Madonna. See ya. <laughs> Jojo Siwa. I said that name yesterday too. I don't think she Jojo's not there yet. I don't think. Well, no, I don't think. So. I, don't know, I don't know what she does. Well, tying this in, Holiday shared a lot of apocryphal tales of people seeing big cats that vanish into thin air, which isn't normally seen in say UFOs. UFOs fly away. Big cats just go poof. Oh. And in this, Holiday suggests that perhaps these big cats exist without a mask and inhabit both the Goblin universe and this one and can freely walk between the two. So all we need is lonely, divorced women to take care of all of this? <laughs> if only is it just the cougars. cats? If only the cougars could help us. <laughs> a lot of times, those cougars just make things more complicated. <laughs> you think they're going to solve all your problems? They just introduce five more, my friend. Whoa! <laughs> Gerda Jeff. <laughs> the man loses, the man gets ten new ideas, he loses ten old ideas. Is that something? Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, extrapolating off that, Ted Holliday introduces what he calls the Phantom Menagerie in Chapter 6, which is one of my favorite concepts of the whole book. Okay. Now, the Phantom Menagerie is the umbrella that all paranormal and mythological creatures, from dragons to bitfoots to serpents to yetis to mermaids, all exist under. These creatures, from Holiday's perspective, are more animal-like than human, but do not behave as ordinary animals. They do not breed, nor do they eat or build dens, but they do share one aspect of the animal world. They can become extinct. There is what? an interesting perspective from the Eighth Tower that is, is John Keel... Again, all of this is pretty old-timey at this point, but I really think that all of these are important things to read if you really want to... Put your big old paranormal investigator cap on. This is the type of shit that you should be as versed in as ghost machines or the infrared bullshit. Like all of the stuff that you want to get empirical evidence. I think that's necessary. Like trying to get empirical evidence. But I think this stuff is really important to wrap your mind around if you want to try to address some of these more wiggity topics. And John Keel in The Eighth Tower talks about the idea of the concept of The Eighth Tower is that we complete a circuit that allows these things to manifest. So the human mind receives the frequency from the quote-unquote eighth tower that allows us to see this shit, and that's what it is. And we're like an antenna for it. That's how the human mind works. And one concept he talks about is that he's constantly chasing this similarity between sightings of cryptids, UFOs, which is people get pink eye, burns, um, they get these, the, they have this adverse effect. A lot of yeah. times, which we will also cover with when we talk about a little bit longer in this episode, people get have health problems yeah. after experiencing these things. Is it possible that people who tend to go looking for Bigfoot are naturally unhealthy? They're the type of people that, that don't wash their hands after they wipe their ass. <laughs> it's very possible. Why would I do that? Oh my God, I'll never forget. I watched a YouTube video about a woman screaming about how toilet paper is a fraud. Oh God, it's not a fraud. It's there. Well, she, I don't know, you... she laughed at people who use toilet paper. What? Does, she, does she own a bidet? No. 
<laughs> no. She's not oh, good. She's wiping her ass in a lake behind her house. Oh, God. That's a retention punt. Yeah. Um, but the concept of, all right, let's say these creatures, the, the Phantom Menagerie, comes about because the Eighth Tower is there projecting its beams, right? These things show up and they, like in Ghostbusters, or when Ray stands. Yeah, like, yes. Like when Ray stands, finds that makes the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, right? That they, you know, he's like, I try to clear my mind. The only thing that came up in my head was the most innocent thing in the world was the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Somebody who loves cats happens to see a big giant cat right. out there, right? Like it's like it pulled from the, the back of its subconscious. It created a big dopey cat, but it did in a mo for a moment exist physically that it's actually not real though like it is not a physical thing but somehow so if you I, if manifested I, it if i imagined like a great palm frites stand and because i've been thinking about these palm frites with salt and vinegar and i they do hmm. it like that in canada would i be able to go then order some of the palm frites that i just created <laughs> in my mind you might but the problem okay. is, is that in the moment you would seek to engage in this physical manifestation of this cryptid palm frites it would disappear oh. right and they would talk about how these things disappear and go instinct but a part of what he thinks is that the way they go instinct is that weirdly he thinks the particles one theory he has is that the particles that make up these cryptids that we momentarily see are toxic to us <gasps> and that when they disappear they disperse like uh the, the half-life of a radioactive element and mm. that particles from it shoot into us and poison us yeah okay whatever <laughs> Whatever, but I mean, I hope it doesn't happen. I hope it doesn't. I just happen. thought it was fun. I was high as fuck, and I thought that was a great idea. Well, I mean, that's, that's super fun. It is that's super fun. Yeah, fun I mean, to it, think about. It is fun to think about. Wrap your noodle around it. Wrap your noodle around it. Not yeah. your dick. It's a horrible thing to tell your doctor if you have cancer, and then you're like, "No, I don't think so. I think I know how I got this." And, you know, listen to medical, <laughs> listen to medical advice. Um, but that's an idea that you expressed. Yes. <laughs> yes. On Holiday's estimation, one of the phantom menagerie that has gone extinct, never to return, is the Marrow, which, <sighs> as far as I can tell, is a form of Irish mermaid. Oh. <laughs> the, the Marrow, however, has not been seen in many years, unlike the seemingly ubiquitous Sasquatches and Chupacabras of modern times. And it could be that the Marrow has just fallen out of belief. There's not as many sailors as they used to be, not as many Irish people on the sea, so therefore... The marrow does not show up in the Rolodex of human experience. But since we talk about Sasquatches and Chupacabra all the time, that shows up. I'm just happy us redheads are getting some representation in the cryptid world. A redheaded, red mustached merman. How fun would that be? Oh, Honestly, I love the Irish. Although, how do you smoke a cigar underwater? Or a pipe? How do you smoke a pipe underwater? I mean, it just bubbles. Yeah, it just bubbles. Mm-hmm. But from what Holiday said, the Phantom Menagerie has been known to wise men for centuries, which is why the dragon, the marrow, and the big black dog of yore are depicted so often in medieval churches. In Holiday's view, this was a form of insurance, with the church seemingly telling the Phantom Menagerie, Hey buddy, we know you're out there. Therefore, by drawing pictures of, say, St. Patrick stomping on serpents and big cats, the church implies that it would be in the phantom menagerie's best interest to not challenge the creatures of Christianity, who are, ironically, also a part of the goblin universe. Maybe what are they? Hey, they missed the black cat. Maybe when you think about 
<laughs> you decided to come for the church. Mm, maybe you don't want something bad to happen to you. Are you Marlon Brando? Uh, you don't want something <laughs> bad to happen to you, Mr. Snake. Oh, it wouldn't be a shame if something happened to you, no legs. Try to come for the church. I love it. One day Joe Pesci's going to die and you're going to get all of his roles. I'm going to, oh, please. <laughs> but uh, also, with all of those paintings, they are allegorical. And I think yeah. there is, and that's a part of this, is he talks a little bit about the symbolism of the dragon as a part of the what the Jungian uh, version of would be called the shadow of the personality, and that maybe mm. there are elements of the goblin universe that are just protracted parts of our psychology that and that's why we see these things that, that it's it's something about this and that if you really just talk about how the saint patrick stomping on things like the big cats and the dragons is that it's also about the imposed order that the christians want to put on top of the old pagan religions oh, and the yeah. idea that we will crunch your symbols and roll it over with this essentially irish pedophile my symbols where did you hear that St. Patrick is a pedophile? Anybody who makes it to a saint has always had to do two, at least one big crime. <laughs> we don't know that he wasn't. We don't know that he wasn't. So after the Phantom Menagerie, Ted Holliday wrote of his own experience with a member of this flock, specifically when Ted participated in an attempted exorcism of the Loch Ness Monster. This was a whole thing. <laughs> this is the most adventurous oh, part of it. You can see the Loch Ness Monster turning his head all around, 360, spitting out a bunch of <laughs> pea soup. This is one of those, again, this is, Hellier did this really well, where he decided, he's like, okay, fuck it. If it is like a poltergeist ghost type thing, let's say the Loch Ness Monster is its own fucking ghost. What if we try to challenge it? With yeah. an exorcism. Ghost chum. Ghost yeah. chum. And so they got this fucking guy. This guy <laughs> that did this exorcism is another. He is a character. Oh, yeah, man. Well, see, two ministers in Scotland had disagreed about the nature of the Loch Ness Monster, with one minister maintaining that the monster was a real physical being, while the other believed that it was a paranormal phenomenon. Oh. That is to say that it was actually technically the ghost of the Loch Ness Monster who had lived in the Loch millions of years ago, a projection from oh, the past into dude, the future. Fucking cool. They're just one upping <laughs> each other at this point. <laughs> no, bro, it's a fucking ghost. It's in the a ghost fucking of the real thing. Dude. So we both, so they, but they both agree the Loch Ness Monster lived. It's a ghost of a dinosaur. A it's dinosaurs ghosts. Why is nobody yeah. talking about? Why can't dinosaurs haunt shit? Yeah, it man, could be man. a fucking ghost of a dinosaur. That's sure. exactly that's exactly what this is. This is an exorcism of a fucking ghost dinosaur. That's awesome. <laughs> now, naturally, Ted Holliday sided with the minister who believed in the paranormal projection theory, a one Reverend Dr. Donald Omond. So the two of them connected and began discussing the nature of the monster and whether or not they could perform an exorcism on the creature. I'm really <sighs> surprised you did not talk about Donald Ormond's first job which is that he is the head of the spiritual agency that for circuses. He is a circus <laughs> exorcist. His job what is... What was he exercising? He Who, would go to animals the, the that were misbehaving. Woman? This is true. He would exercise animals that were having problems in circuses. That yeah. was his whole thing. Like, tigers having an attitude problem? Yeah. He'd go in and go like, the power of Christ compels you, tiger. The power of Christ compels you. And that's what that was his whole job. Is that how he became a doctor? <laughs> He's a doctor reverend. A doctor reverend. Yeah, okay. man. 
At the same time, Ted also came into contact with a couple of students who had been diving into Loch Ness on weekends to try and find Nessie herself. Apparently, they developed what Ted called toothache syndrome, which was a mysterious nerve condition that caused immense pain in the teeth. Holiday believed that this was connected to the Goblin universe because he had found a precedent for toothache syndrome in ancient Babylonian texts. And the texts thus spake. And the worm said, What are these dried bones to me? Let me drink amongst the teeth and set me on the gums that I may devour the blood of the teeth and of their gums destroy the strength. Then shall I hold the bolt of the door. Are we talking like... What kind of worms are we talking about here? Worm is an old word for dragon. That's what they originally... Can we say tremor? Like a tremor's worm? With the big old teeth and stuff like that? You can call it a worm, but worm is... But it was spelled W-U-R-M. It wasn't W-O-R-M. It was worm. 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 Okay. Also, they talk about this all the time because he lumps... Loch Ness monster into now what we know about the Mothman and what mm-hmm. we know about people's evil, e- what people even say about the Bigfoot, about uh, Flatwoods monster, is that these things, when you see them, bring bad luck. Yeah, <gasps> that the Loch Ness monster is an actual harbinger of doom, and then every time you see a cryptid, bad things happen to you I for some you reason. Saw, I thought Bigfoot was good. Bigfoot, uh, well, certain so- certain societies believe him. There's, you know, he's called the wise man on the mountain. Some people believe yeah. that he is an ascended master. Some people believe that he is some form of uh, future human that's sent to warn us of our damage to nature, damage to ecology. It's not a future mm-hmm. human. We're not getting hairier. Look at me. No, I don't have wisdom yeah. teeth. You're a past human. Marcus is the sign of the future. No totally hair humans. I, I, I don't have wisdom teeth, though. I'm human I'm, 2.0. I'm very hairy from the waist down, though. Isn't that interesting? Like a center. His actual, <laughs> the shaft of Marcus's dick is covered in hair. Yeah. Top what? to bottom, my friend. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah, Are yeah, you yeah. kidding I'm like me? A, I'm like a satyr, you know? Yeah, that's yeah, actually yeah. Actually, that is more like what I am. Yeah, I got the hairy goat legs and then nothing up top. You have a I'm hairy like a Greek. penis? Yes, Ben, I have a hairy penis. <laughs> <laughs> got him. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, after meeting the students in August of 1971, a Swedish journalist named Jean of Sundberg claimed to have seen an actual UFO on the shores of Loch Ness. He said that it was a gray black cigar shaped structure 10 meters long and three figures, interestingly, dressed just like the creatures at Baikal Lake that we talked about last week, stepped out. Spring collection. 1971. (laughs) I love that spring collection. Afterwards, Sundberg claimed that he was visited by the good old men in black (gasps) and Mm -hmm. suffered a nervous breakdown as a result. Of course, the men in black are also creatures of the goblin universe. And so, with all this ooky spooky stuff going on, Ted Holliday and the Reverend Doctor decided to exercise the Loch Ness Monster. Man, I want to go out. I want to hang out with Ted Holliday. This is so much fun. No, you don't. You would drive. Because it would be... Honestly, Henry, it would be a reflection of what it's like to hang out with you. And I think that you would leave it 
with an understanding that you don't want to have. Uh, you're a moron because I would, first of all, I find great restaurants. We would go out and we would have a fun time. No, because you I would, would argue set up because events. he has a different idea of what a great restaurant is. So he's going to take you to his great restaurant and you're not going to like it. When you're, I honestly then, would like it if one of my friends put an effort into some of our events when we go out and travel. Bro, I brought people to a baseball game last weekend. I mean, and one I, of them almost died. Well, we did have a friend that got violently ill from a Dodger dog. And uh, thank God. Lexi, we want you to be okay. Is doing okay. <laughs> On June 2nd, 1973, several people performed five rites at each corner of Loch Ness, with the main rite being performed in a boat in the center of the lake by the Reverend Dr. Ormond. From records, this is the exorcism that Dr. Ormond performed. Hey, Grant, by the pure entrusted to thy unworthy servant, this highland lock on the land adjourning it, it may be delivered from all evil spirits. All then imaginations, projections and phantasms, and all deceits of the evil one. O oh Lord, subject them to thy servant's command that at his bidding they will harm neither man nor beast, but depart to the place appointed them. There a man forever. <laughs> How long do they stand there before someone's before someone's just like, all right, we gotta we gotta get at it. Okay. Like, how long do you stand there in dead silence when, when nothing gets, happens? Until it gets dark. Until it gets dark. I think until it gets dark, yeah. You oh do it my that's the God. thing. You do it at dusk. So that way you know that it's gonna get dark soon, so okay, you're not gonna be out there too long. You can't you gotta stay get out back there to shore before dark. Of course well, you do. You know when someone, because like I used to go to like one Thanksgiving there where it's like everyone used to read like a super sincere poem before. Like it was someone, it was like very what? fancy. This yeah, is I, don't, a long I story. never did that. That sounds I, horrible. I went to a thing, but everyone would read something about everyone like just the drinks, harvest. drinks or, a goblet of blood from the Native American. I wish <laughs> it was that metal. But we would sit there and we everyone would read like something hyper sincere, you know, and they'd be like, and that way I fill the gourd. That's in my heart. And then what you'd have to do is when they read something super serious and then you have to kind of give it a beat where you go, okay. You know what I mean? Like you just have to give it like a landing place. Every single time no, I go, understand. Oh, All right. Can we eat? Oh no, you're going to read something about another poem about gourds. Another thing about the gourd. All right. So after the exorcism, Ted Holliday was thinking of wandering on over to where the Swedish journalist had seen the UFO. But when he saw a pyramid-shaped, eight-foot-tall column of black smoke through the window, just as his friend said, don't go see the UFO, huh? he decided against it. Yeah, because that was a part of the lake where people get getting scooped up by aliens. Mm -hmm. Scary. Later that same night, Ted and his hosts said that they had an encounter with circles of white light that danced around the room, and they all eventually landed on Ted's face, much <laughs> to the terror of everyone present. Get it off me! Get it off me! Get it off me! Get it off me! All of his friends just taking the opportunity to punch him in the face. <laughs> no, no, I'm trying to get a winner of the circle You're of light. Good, yeah, man. Then the next morning... A bona fide man in black was <gasps> waiting outside for Ted. Six feet tall, dressed in black plastic from head to toe, Wait. and wearing a helmet 
with gloves and goggles. Okay. Did he just get on the six train? Um, are we sure this man is a man in black or just a homeless man who needs some place to rest? It is 1973. There were some alternative fashions happening at the time, but this is in Loch Ness. This is out in the middle of Scotland, so it might be, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how fashion gets out there. Ah, but from what Ted said, he had no visible eyes and he did not appear to breathe. Hmm. Oh. The man in black then suddenly disappeared. And what made matters worse was that the exorcism was a complete and total failure. Because oh. everyone just kept seeing the Loch Ness Monster. But don't what? worry, Reverend Doctor, Mr. Donald Ormond wanted them all to know it's quite possible this won't work. And he did say <laughs> wow. that at the very top. Okay. I, so I, I will give him that. Truth in advertising. <laughs> That's very nice that he said the truth anyway. But the kicker was that when Ted returned to Loch Ness the next year, he suffered a near-fatal heart attack in the exact same spot where the man in black appeared. God damn. Wow. Mm -hmm. They always get their man. So after outlining the ex... (laughs) (laughs) The man in black. (laughs) That's that's true. No, I just... So after outlining the exorcism of Loch Ness, Ted Holliday takes a sharp left turn to talk shit on evolution for an entire chapter. Yeah, yeah, Wait, yeah. what? It's just hard. Wait, this is a problem. What are you talking about? This is every one of these books where you're like, cool, cool, cool. And then you're just like, God damn it. Now we're going to talk about how Darwin was a pedophile or something. Like, like some like, like God, he just completely, He just completely misunderstands the concept of evolution. He's like, uh, if evolution is weird than real, then like, why don't we like see it? Like every day. I just like, feel like it just, he has other like good ideas. 30 different coronavirus strands now or yeah. some shit. Yeah, yeah. But he, also, but he also is like, no, evolution's not the real deal. The real deal is bioelectric fields. That's oh. actually the real deal here on mm. Earth. So maybe you should look into that a little this bit. This wasn't supposed to be published. <laughs> he wasn't he, supposed he to publish his book. It does it, not, it does not, because the book fucking falls apart in the last couple of chapters. And you can see, sir, you can see why Ted Holliday was wasn't too jazzed about releasing all this half-baked pseudoscience. They all turn into Ray Stevens, the man who used to just sing funny songs, and the next thing you know, he's an Obama birther, truther, who just sang very horrible songs about race. The same, like, tunes as the children's songs. Yes, it's very scary. Yeah, it's just like Guitar Zen, except it's about Osama bin Laden. And And it's it's a lot of hitting the Hussein, a Barack Hussein Obama (laughs) heart. But still... Some of the ideas contained in the chapters before Ted Holliday bungles his biology certainly make the Goblin universe a compelling, if incomplete, addition to the study of the paranormal. Wow. I really do believe that you have to combine all of these things at once. I think it's important to have the ones that talk about the biological and scientific needs for evidence as with as, as lo- alongside all of this wooey woo bullshit as well, because I think that's the only way you'll really see the scope of how much energy these fat bodied nerds have put into this subject and how yeah, it inspires have. other fat bodied nerds to move the subject forward into the future. <laughs> I don't really, I, I didn't really get the science in this, this one. This is though. what we're doing. Science is all about an attitude. Science, it's well, a scientific about, attitude. Well, I don't know about that. But yes, I all, think right. all of these things, I mean, yes, does it make you a more difficult person to love? Sure. But it also right. makes you a hyper interesting person to at least 
10 people that matter. Well, and there you go. <laughs> it's nice to have a close group of friends for the next pandemic. Okay. <laughs> well, this has just been fantastic. Thank you all so much for listening. We can't wait to see you all in Colorado. Oh, so that's coming up very soon. Very, very yeah. soon. Next week, we have some real science coming at you. We're going to talk about something that is very real, and we're very, mm -hmm. very excited about it. Um, couple. Here's some housekeeping. Number one, our stream. It's going to be live on Patreon starting on Monday. Monday. So go Mondays. Mondays. 5 p.m. EST. We're going to 5 p.m. PST. We're going to Mondays. Going to say that again. It's live on Patreon, and then it's going to go to on up live on Tuesday. That's right. 8 p.m. if you're in the Eastern time zone, and 5 p.m. here in the West, and I guess 6 then if you're in the Central. And we will put Seven. up a Bunch seven. of announcements. Okay. Seven central, six mountain. You're thinking Ma of mountain. <laughs> so, so confusing, and I don't even want to think it's about time zones. Time unless is, you're in time Arizona, and you don't, unless you're in Arizona, you don't do daylight savings time, then everything's all wishy-washy. They're really, right about that. They are right. It's the one <laughs> they thing they've been correct about. Um, remember, what have we learned? Time is not real, but schedules. Schedules. <laughs> are real. Schedules Appointments are real. also are very real. They, they are real. You put that in your schedule. Put it, put it right in there. <laughs> you got to hold all of But I think it's important to throw, just hold all of these ideas in one because can't we folks are in our brains because the brains they can hold the entire universe inside of them well most people have you know they got to think about picking up their kids and well, they have fuck these kids have them catch up these kids <laughs> well, should be working well again again but there again are you gotta make sure they get to work on time yeah uh, yeah sure absolutely but that's why the public transportation systems need to be updated well, now we've gotten to something truthful. Finally, <laughs> it only took us damn near to the end. We could get some better public transportation. High-speed rail. Let's do it. I love a high-speed rail. Well, you're in... Learn how to use Narcan. Absolutely. We're going to be, be talking. We're going to be putting that out there. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, everyone. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Check out all the shows here on the Last Podcast Network. And uh, yeah, we hope you're happy and safe and doing the best you can. We can't wait to see you on the road. Check mm -hmm. out every single show. Please do. Honestly, I I can safely say that all of the content on the network is really good. It's really yeah. fun, and everyone works really hard on the shows. This week on No Dogs in Space, we are finishing our series on the Beastie Boys. Beastie the episode Boys. will be coming out this weekend, so if you want to, if you've been waiting for the entire series to be out before you listen to the whole goddamn thing, you can. It's six episodes long. It's Ooh. a lot yeah. of information on the Beastie Boys, but we also go into like the history of hip-hop and all kinds of other shit. Uh, it's a, we're very proud of this series. So and I this would one's check really it out. And this one's really for the elder millennials out there. Yeah, it really this is. is. No, no, no. We, we finally get to the uh, the album that came out when we were in high school. Hello, Nasty. Intergalactic planetary. Body moving. Planetary. Yeah, the beginning of the <laughs> robot takeover. Um, all right, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Gene. Magustulations. Hail me in all my forms. Because I might appear to you as just a simple, red-headed, bearded, portly so man. So I can change the way you look to me? Do it. It didn't work, dude. Come on, man. Give me tits. <laughs> Good ones. You see? You don't know what I'm into. Oh, God. <laughs> this show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Hey, Mom. First things first. Thank you. It's my one-year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. 
If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says right here, what would you do if another extra hour of your day? I mean, well, obviously I'd get some nunchuck training in. Oh, I'd make love to my wife. That takes about nine. That's a full nine minutes of that hour. And then I would probably uh, go to get a donut. And then I'd probably yell at my parents. But a lot of us wish we had more time. The question is time for what? I don't know. What works for you? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. And therapy can help you find out what matters to you so you can do more of it. You know that question? They're like, if you had a billion dollars, what would you do? You know, and like, you know, when I answer, it's of course, I would grind the government to a standstill with my giant machine of my making in secret for many years. But a lot of people get mad at that. And it's really hard to do that in a job interview or like when you're meeting somebody's like your significant other's parents for the first time. So, and we might actually want to think of starting therapy. So give BetterHelp a try. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash last pod today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-A-S-T-P-O-D.